0: Welcome to the Beyond Sunday Podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday Podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm really grateful to be back. Uh,
1: Jordan, thank you so much for covering last week. You did a phenomenal job, as you always do, Um, but it was the most helpless feeling. I I got home Sunday night, and my voice just faded and faded and faded, and I gargled and did all the things and and, uh, and woke up Monday and, and... couldn't even produce a whisper. So, um, appreciate you guys marching on without me, but, uh, I missed being here, missed being with you. And as much as I enjoyed the the show that you recorded and I really did, um, it's good to be back. So how are you doing?
0: I'm good. Yeah. It's good to have you back. Yeah. It was interesting talking to you about that and just your, uh, your feelings about it because you felt well, like you didn't feel sick, but you, you just could not talk at all, which I, I did not feel sick at all. And, and
1: so it was, you know, there was some sense in which (laughs) I say this tongue in cheek, but I almost would have preferred to have been bedridden, Mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, feeling terrible. I really don't want to feel terrible, but, um, but it was just so weird. So I was still out and about doing what I needed to do, but I couldn't communicate with anybody. So when you're used to talking to people in rooms, when, (laughs) I mean, you know, I just had to, I had to get used to just sitting there and being quiet, you know, went to my daughter's basketball game and, And just smiled and nodded at people and then couldn't speak over the din of the gymnasium, you know, so just, oh, I'm so sorry you
0: lost your voice. I'm like, yeah, uh, it is what it is, but. It's back. Hallelujah. It's back. Praise God. I'm imagining some people at the basketball game like, "Uh, Jeff didn't say a word to me. (laughs) (laughs) That may be true. That may be true. I waved and (laughs) smiled, you know, uh, but conversation was rough. (laughs) Well, we want to wish everyone here a a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, This will be released on the Wednesday before and uh, we're just very thankful for you listening. Uh, You really, uh, you make this happen. Uh, You listening and talking about it is uh, getting the word out about it. So we're thankful for you and thankful for the opportunity and uh, just happy Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, thanks for being a part of this community because that's really what's grown up around this podcast is just a community of people. And uh, I get to talk to people all the time who are listeners and who are benefiting from this. And I'm so thankful for that. And once again, I'll say to you, Jordan, and to you, Elliot, thanks to all that you guys do uh, to make this happen. And, and Jordan, this was your brainchild, man. This was your idea. And it's turned out to be a great idea. And I have so enjoyed it. So thanks for helping us continue to to grow together. Around God's word and the text that he leads us to every week. That was good.
0: Amen. So, this week we'll, we'll <laughs> surprise, surprise, we're going to talk about thankfulness. Ah. Um, yeah. But, but I want to kind of talk about discipleship in there as well and approach it from that angle. So, the passage from this weekend was Philippians 4 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, Jeff, on Sunday, you shared about Pat McCubbin and her influence on her nephew's life, who then in turn impacted not one, but two of your chief influences uh, in your walk with Christ. Um, so you were talking about spiritual grandparents and the concept of people who influence the people who impl- influence you. It, it kind of reminded me of the idea and the, the saying in Judaism, like, you're not trying to raise Jewish children, you're trying to raise Jewish grandchildren. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so you're, it's not that you're just trying to raise someone with your values. You want to equip them so that they will want to and have the ability to give those values to their children. That's right. Yeah. So taking that model sort of, how do we raise up strong disciples who then themselves can raise up strong disciples? Well, what's so amazing is that is an
1: illustration and an outworking of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And that passage says... Uh, This is Paul writing to Timothy. It's his last letter to Timothy, and he says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, what you have there is really five generations of Christians. The first generation is Jesus. That's, you know, he is the head. Um, But then Jesus encounters Saul of Tarsus, who you know, whom he challenges, whom he calls to repentance, and then whom he teaches. So so Saul of Tarsus, whom we know as Paul, um, grows in Christ, and then he makes disciples. He has several disciples, you know, there's a bunch of them, but one of them is Timothy, and Paul pours into Timothy's life, and what Paul is now telling Timothy, all those things that I've poured into you, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses— Here's what you do. You entrust those to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And what our listeners can't see is my hand counting. So Jesus is the first generation. Then comes Paul, the second generation. Then comes Timothy, the third generation. Then come the faithful men into whom Timothy will invest. That's the fourth generation. And then come the others also. So in that one little verse, there are five generations of disciples, and that's how it's supposed to work. And several folks over the years have have really capitalized on 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, to notice that paradigm and to really help the rest of us as followers of Christ see that paradigm and live it out. And so people like Dawson Trotman and Bill Bright and, and just all sorts of people, particularly coming through the 20th century and the rise of the parachurch movement, this verse was huge within the parachurch movement uh, and remains so today. But... But really, for all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, this is instructive as to how we're supposed to live our lives. It's not supposed to end with us. It's not supposed to end with those whom God uses us to reach and into whom God uses us to invest. It's supposed to continue on. So, again, following that quote you just shared, I'm not just trying to raise my children. I'm trying to raise my grandchildren through what I teach my children. Um, And from a spiritual perspective— Honestly, I didn't figure this out until Miss Pat had gone to glory. And I told her daughter, Carol Ironman, who's a faithful member of our church and teacher here at our church, uh, I told her yesterday, after the sermon, I said, you know, I didn't figure that out until your mom's memorial service. And, and I wish I had known beforehand so that I could have hugged her neck specifically for that reason and just said, thank you. I said, first day in heaven, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find her. Uh, but it was just unbelievable. And that's how it's supposed to work. And so as as I pour my life into other people, I want to see them pour their lives into other people. So I think about my relationship with you. You know, I got to pour into you early on. Mm-hmm. And then you turned right around and poured into my son. And what's amazing is my son listened to you more than he would listen to me. <laughs> and so here's Second Timothy 2, 2 happening in this context right now. And I'm watching you. Disciple my son by supervising him and teaching him, you know, how to be a part of the broadcast team and all those sorts of things. And so that's that's the way it's supposed to work. Um, and, and the other thing about it is, it is exponential because just as Paul, well, just as Jesus influenced more people than just Paul, and Paul influenced more people than just Timothy. Timothy would influence a bunch of faithful human beings who would then go forth and each themselves, ideally, influence a bunch of human beings. And so you just think about the exponential growth. You say, well, how did the gospel go from, you know, this little sliver of land (laughs) that we know uh, as Israel, uh, how did it go from there to the ends of the earth? How How did the gospel reach us? And that's exactly how it happened. It was person to person, disciples making disciples, making disciples. And so the way we say that at First Baptist Church is we want to trust and follow Jesus and help others do the same. Our goal is to trust and follow Jesus in every moment that we live and help other people do the same. And so that's, that's how I approach preaching. It's how I approach teaching. That's how we approach this podcast. And that's frankly how we ought to approach every moment that we live. How can I help others trust and follow Jesus as I do that today. If we if we live with that degree of intentionality, it's going to happen that we will influence those who will influence others who will influence others. And I believe one of the greatest moments that each of us will experience in heaven is getting to meet spiritual descendants that God used even people like us to influence others whose influence continued on. Generations after we were gone, and that's what's supposed to happen. So, um, I'm really looking forward to meeting some of my spiritual, um, spiritual grandparents and and spiritual descendants in glory. I think that'll be a wonderful experience
0: for sure. You know, I keep thinking of the the term critical thinking. I don't think that's the right word for what I'm trying to express here, but especially in terms of like fathers, I think of my own relationship with my dad, and you know, he he he's has an outsized impact on my life in terms of my oh. discipleship with Messiah. I mean, yes. it's, you know, um, you know, and then more recently I've had, you know, other influences like yourself. Uh, I can think of, uh, one of my, um, best friends, well, two of my best friends, Jonathan and Ruben, just again, outs, outsized, uh, impact on my life. But a lot of it really started because I had a godly father who poured a lot into me and, you know, it's almost like he put the most in, but then like it was catalyzed as soon as I encountered others who had similar vision and you know got me going even farther even faster on the same path.
1: Um, which is exactly how it's supposed to work yeah I and mean, praise God that, that that has been your experience and that's going to be the experience of your boys. I mean, they're going to be able to look at their dad and not only hear the biblical teaching, but see the biblical teaching lived out. And that's a beautiful thing because I'm learning from experience. They catch more than you teach them. Yeah, I mean, you know? Yeah. So um, they'll watch you at your your best moments and your most holy moments, and they'll watch you at your worst moments and, and your most depraved moments and, and everything in between. And, um, man, I, I really believe that that is going to be such um, – such a vital key in their lives as well. But then you look at somebody like Timothy who didn't have a strong father, Mm -hmm. Uh, and so God brought Paul into his life to really be his spiritual father. And so even if you as a listener didn't have a strong fatherly influence in your your walk with Christ or just in your life— Recognize that that God's not going to leave you without that sort of influence. That that He will provide, uh, you know, men in your life to to step into that role, and to love you with the love of Christ and to mentor you according to the faith. and And I'll tell you, um, I've had a whole lot of men who've really and women too. Don't get me wrong; it's not you know. Um, but we talk about these discipleship relationships. We typically stay in the same gender because, sure, yeah. you know, when we're on one-on-one, that just it helps. Uh, um, nobody understands how to be a man like a man, and nobody understands how to be a woman like a woman. But um so it's not to say I I mean I could name so many women who have been Sunday school teachers and and, and vitally influential in my life. And so that's that's not the issue. But but I think about men that I would consider to be Spiritual fathers, you know, and and um, man, I'm just so grateful for how God augmented what He taught me through my earthly father, uh, through men whom He brought into my journey along the way, and so it's the way it's supposed to work, and and I'm so thankful for that, and and again, I I can't emphasize enough my gratitude for your investment in my son's life. But I also think about you know the coaches that he has. He's got some godly coaches in his life, and they push him in a in a Christward direction. Um, so you know, God is able to overcome our deficiencies and the deficiencies of those before us, and uh, and praise God for that. But man, what a what a blessing! Um, and and I I know your dad listens to this, and I can only imagine. As your dad, as he hears this, how encouraging that has to be to his soul. Because one of the things you're going to find, and I'm sure you already are, and I'm finding, and I'm sure he found, is that um, parenting is experimental. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's obviously you're grounded in the Word, but then there's all these situations. It's why the Pharisees became the Pharisees. Six hundred thirteen laws did not cover everything, and so. Um, your dad has done a wonderful job and has raised uh, not only you, but your brother as well. I mean, um, incidentally, your brother still holds uh, kicking records at South Warren High School. Really? He really does, nice. sure enough. So props, that's incredible. We'll, hey. we'll look at those again at the banquet here in a little bit. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, how encouraging to your dad and what a blessing to him.
0: Amen. And I think, you you know, you've touched kind of on the question that I want to ask is like, as, as a parent and as a spiritual parent, even to some people, how do you instill that critical thinking so that they can take what you can give them and then progress? So, you know, you, like you said, parenting is experimental. We're led by the Holy Spirit, but we won't always have all the answers. How right. do we equip people to move forward and not just give them like a set of data that they just kind of sit with? Yeah, I think it's a couple things. Number
1: one, intentionality. Uh, Anything that is worth doing is worth being intentional about. You are not going to drift into good parenting. That just is what it is. And so you have to be intentional with your moments and recognize, secondly, that every moment is a teachable moment. So essentially what I'm finding parenting to be particularly as my kids grow older is is coaching. It's it's helping them see the circumstances of their lives, showing them what the word of God says about the circumstances of their lives and then Helping to model for them and also give instruction into how they can live out God's teaching in that circumstance in their lives at the moment. And so, you know, with, with Griffin, of course, he's 15 years old now. He's getting ready to get his driver's license and all those sorts of things. And, and it's different. I mean, you, you just, when, when he was a little boy, he went where I took him and he did what I told him. And if he stepped outside of that, well, you know, he went to timeout and we set the the timer on the microwave and all those sorts of things. Uh, I buckled him into the truck and and now I watch him get into vehicles driven by people that I barely know who themselves are young and their frontal lobe is still developing and you just pray a lot more, but, Mm -hmm. but you become, you become more of, of a mentor, more of, um, as time passes, More of, you know, again, here's the foundation of of God's Word. Here's how God speaks into your circumstance. Um, Here's God's character within this circumstance. And so even though, you know, it may not be, oh, here's the clear-cut answer to your question— uh, it is, these are the characteristics of God that we know to be true. These are the teachings of God that we know that he has communicated. And so we know some things that we don't even have to wonder about. Uh, you know, am, if I'm in a situation with another human being, am I going to be loving or hateful toward that person? Well, God's word is clear. I'm going to be loving there. That's going to be where I start. Um, that, may be that, that, that may mean that I have to speak some hard truth in that moment but I'm going to love them enough to speak the truth with love. And I'm going to make decisions that lead to life and not to death. And so I think it starts with intentionality and then really recognizing that every moment is a teachable moment. And, you know, sometimes you get tired. I'm just going to be honest with you. There are times when you just want to overlook it and ignore it. And and I think there's some, some wisdom in selectively ignoring some things, um, but there are times when you just you don't even feel like it, and the path of least resistance would be to say nothing, but then the path of least resistance leads to terrible outcomes. So you got to be intentional, and you've got to recognize that every moment you have with them is a teachable moment because you're going to get few, fewer and fewer moments with them. So what you're trying to do is teach them how to make godly decisions for themselves. And the less control you have, The more your prayer life increases, I have found, you know, and I'm not saying that should be the case. (laughs) You should pray as much when you have all the control in the world. Um, But man, it's just Lord, help him make decisions that are in accord with your will and your word. Um, So yeah, intentionality and recognizing that every moment is a teachable moment and you're coaching them through with the ultimate goal of helping them make godly decisions on their own. I heard one time Tommy Nelson in a sermon talked about a commencement speaker who came to this Christian university and got up to speak at their commencement and said, this was the sum and substance of his speech, this was it. He said, you've learned a whole lot of information over these past four years, but if you cannot make an independent moral decision, none of it matters. Hmm. And he went and sat down. And Tommy said he looked at the guy sitting next to him and said, "What was that all about?" Because normally you get these big flowery speeches, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said the guy's um, son just died. He got high and wrecked his car and died. And at that point, it didn't matter how smart he was, how how much he had accomplished, you know, how much money he had, all those sorts of things. And so, so the man was really trying to communicate. You have to be able to make an independent moral decision. And if you can't do that, none of the other decisions that you make really matter. Um, And I think that that, for me, has provided a paradigm of saying, okay, that's what I'm training my kids to do. I'm training them to make independent moral decisions according to the Word of Almighty God so that they might trust and follow Jesus in every moment that they live, even when that's difficult because I'm not going to be with them all the time. I'm with them less and less as it is. So, that's that's kind of the way I approach it. I'll let you know in a decade or so if it works out. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but I'll tell you that let me let me say this. Parents listen to me. Please listen to me because I know there's some of you that are on this podcast right now and your kids have gone astray and 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 I want you to listen to the voice of God's truth and not to the voice of the enemy's lies. What you had in a child, what you have in a child is an independent being who is able to make free decisions, and you can give them the best teaching and coaching, and they can still go astray. Judas Iscariot was with Jesus, who is God in flesh for three years, and he still went astray. His going astray was not Jesus' fault. He made independent moral decisions that were amoral, immoral, and... Uh, and so listen, you know, of course you weren't a perfect parent, but please do not allow the enemy to speak lies into your life that they went astray because you were just horrible. You know, um, of course you weren't perfect, but listen, lean upon the grace of God as you pray for your child still to this day, continue to pray, continue to be like the the, the father of the prodigal son who's looking every day expectantly ready to welcome them home but, um, but don't listen to the enemy's lies in the process. Wow. That comes from experience, incidentally. You know, I've been in ministry for a couple of decades now, and I can't tell you the number of parents that I've talked to whose kids have um, veered off the path, and, and parents with tears in their eyes look at me and say, what did I do wrong? And and of course they weren't perfect. I'm not perfect. Good night. I've given my son and my daughter plenty to talk to their therapist about in years <laughs> to come, you know? Um, but man, the 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 burden that some folks bear. Where did I go wrong? And and of course all of us have gone wrong in, in plenty of ways, but don't allow the enemy to do that to you. Um, you know, the father of the prodigal son in Jesus' parable, one perfect, but one son stuck around and the other one took off. You know, what are you going to do? So um, just if you need to be encouraged, go back and read the end of Genesis and the 12 tribes <laughs> and, you know, and, 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 you know, listen to Jacob's blessing of the 12 tribes and what he says about his boys and go back and read Genesis and look at how among those 12 brothers and even one of the daughters had some issues. Good night. I mean, you know, these are human beings that you've brought into the world who have the ability to make free decisions. And unfortunately, the Bible doesn't say that some have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It said that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that includes your precious babies. You know, they're going to mess up. Um, But how are you intentional in coaching them in every teachable moment along the way so that prayerfully, when it's on the line— they choose to trust and follow Jesus as opposed to going the other way. Mm. So,
0: thank you for sharing that. I know a lot of people who need to hear that message. I think that is really good to emphasize. We are, each of us has a soul. We are not, That's you right. know, we're not mechanations following our parents. We're, we have a soul just as our parents have souls yep. and our children have souls just as we have souls. Man. Well, so in talking about. A, a character trait that does help children, thank, thankfulness. Um, yeah. how, how do we inculcate thankfulness and gratefulness in children? Man, it's, it's difficult sometimes
1: because I struggle to, um, to embrace that in my own life sometimes. It is easy to get caught in the trap of looking at what you don't have, and there's a reason that the 10th commandment is, thou shalt not covet. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason that the Bible talks about covetousness being idolatry, that, that you are worshiping that for which you covet or that which you covet. Um, and so, first of all, we have to be intentional about it within ourselves. And, you know, we sang a song yesterday that's a classic hymn, Count Your Blessings. You know, mm-hmm. When upon life's billows you are a tempest tossed, when you are discouraged feeling all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And I think there's a lot of wisdom there. Um, So we focus intentionally on, you know, God, you have blessed me in ways that I can't even think about. I mean, so I studied biochemistry and molecular biology in college, and so I know to some degree the mechanisms that are currently happening in every one of my cells right now. Every cell in our bodies has, I mean, it's its own factory, it's its own city, if you think about that, and all of the things that are happening, the, the organelles that have to function within the cells to make the cell function so that it can function within our tissues, to make our tissues function so that it can function within our organs to make our organs function, so that our whole body can function. The, the amount of things going on inside of each of us right now, of which we are clueless, is astonishing, and God is keeping all those things going. He's keeping all those processes going, and so that's step one. When I'm struggling with gratitude, I start thanking Him for the breaths that I get to take, because I I know a lot of people who struggle to breathe. I, I thank Him for the, the 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 fact that I'm able to look out and see, because I know a lot of people whose eyesight's really getting getting rough and. And the ability to hear, the ability to walk, the ability to talk. You know, last week I was reminded when I didn't have a voice. You know, talking is something that I take for granted. It's what I do for a living. I do a lot of talking. Uh, When I can't talk, man, I felt so powerless. And it reminded me to thank God for a voice. So you know, for me, it's going back and recognizing that I got nothing. If, if God were to stop sustaining me, I would dissolve into nothingness. Literally, the very atoms that compose my body would cease to hold together were God to stop. So that's a good start for me. And then that that opens up, you know, because sometimes with our relationships, we can get frustrated with our husband or wife. We can get frustrated with our kids. And, you know, so-and-so's life looks perfect. Good night. I just got off Instagram. and And, and everybody I follow on Instagram is perfect. Except for the few people who seem to revel in their difficulties. I don't, you know, <laughs> it's, it's everybody's life is perfect. And, and I've noticed a new phenomenon when we ask people to take pictures of us. The next generation, which, you know, the generation that's coming up after ours, when they don't take a picture, like they'll take 14 pictures. They'll tap it, you know, 14 times. It's like, Wow. I don't have the time or the energy to sort through 14 <laughs> pictures of me to see which one's the best, yeah. but that's what they're doing. So, I mean, they're giving themselves the pool uh, from which they are they are huh. pulling the very best of the best. So when you look at social media and you see, oh man, everybody else's life is easy. Let me just assure you as one who meets with all sorts of people and talks with all sorts of people, and who also is a human being living on a sinfallen war in a sinfallen world. Nobody's life is easy. Everybody has problems. Um, everybody has issues. Everybody has everybody. Oh my goodness, Jordan! Every time I, I, I get together with a family to officiate a funeral, somebody will pull me aside and say, "No, preacher, we got some folks in our family that you know. I'm just going to go ahead and apologize now." and I'm like, well, well, I got something in mind too. I mean, you know, and for some of my family members, I am that person. So just, (laughs) you know, (laughs) um, just be encouraged. Everybody's got something. So, you know, just, it's easy to look at what you don't have. It's easy to look at what it appears, you know, everybody else seems to have. But for me, going back to the basics and then helping my kids do that too, um, you know, my kids have a lot, you know, your kids have a lot, uh, you know, we we live in the United States of America. Even our people who have nothing have a lot compared to a lot of people around the world, you know, clean drinking water. Mm. Well, my goodness gracious, if the water went out at our house and we couldn't turn on a faucet to brush our teeth, we wouldn't know what to do. And so we are blessed in so many ways. I think the statistic... You know, 75% of statistics are made up on the spot. But I think the, the, I think what I read um, from a reputable source years ago was that if you own a vehicle, if you have a car, not two, just the one, uh, that puts you in the top 15% wealthiest people on the planet. And that's astonishing that, that if you own a vehicle, not a Cadillac, didn't say it had to be a Cadillac. It said that it could be whatever, you know, a Pinto, as it were then you are wealthier than 85% of the people living on the planet today, and, and I think that, that is a, that's a great wake-up call, um, and, and I think for our kids, we got to get them around folks who, who don't have all the things that they have, who, uh, you know, taking, taking them on mission trips, even serving missionally here in, in our city. You know, we have people, my son, through the the student ministry and the summer mission trips that we do here, that that um, Blake Sapp did and, and TJ Renfro leads now, you know, they're they're working with folks who they do not have the level of material wealth that that my children have or that your children have. And that's right here in our community and their living situation is different. And, you know, helping them see, wow, you know. I really have a lot to be thankful for.
0: I think that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's take a lot of what we talked about today and make it practical with today's practical application question. This is actually a listener-semitic question that's a follow-up to two weeks ago when we were talking with TJ and with Lauren. So this is a question about bullying. The question is, My question is about bullying and how it impacts the child as well as the family in such devastating ways. Even if it's happening to kids who are in high school or college, bullying can be so harmful and destructive. My question would be for all of you, if possible, to address and share some resources that are available to help you with your child. So, Jeff, we we got a little bit of response from uh, Lauren and TJ that I'll put in the show notes. But how would you address that question?
1: Bullying is tough. I mean, it just really is. And, and we've dealt with it in our own family. Um, I think again, every moment's a teachable moment and there's this fine balance of stepping in where you need to step in to protect your child and allowing them within a safe context to fight some of their own battles because they've, they've got to develop some toughness too, because again, you're not going to be there forever as a parent. And so, I think the first thing is giving them a firm foundation in the word of God in that they know what God says about them. Okay? So, you know, bullying typically starts with words. It you know, so and so says this about me and and how many of us have been taught, oh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, I get the spirit of that, but we all know it's not true. I mean, words, words. I'd rather be hit with a stick than hear some of the things that people have said to me. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, so words can absolutely hurt. And so I think we talk about that, the reality of that. Um, But giving them a foundation in what God says about them, and so for me and my kids, that that comes down to every single morning and every single night, I'm praying with each of them you know before i drop my daughter off at school i'm praying with her and in that prayer i'm i'm reminding her of what god has said just by the way thank you lord that that she is is wonderful and thank you that she is a leader and help her to be kind and respectful to everyone and help her to do all the things that she needs to do so that she might become the wonderful woman that you have made her to be and and help her you know protect her and keep her safe and so you know setting that foundation of this is what god says about you makes when other people say things about you that that aren't true, that are ugly or hurtful, it it lessens the blow of that because we want to listen to the voice of truth, not the voice of lies, not the voice of accusation. We know where lies come from. We know where accusation comes from. It is not from God. And so, one, giving them that foundation. Um, Two, you know, letting them know and helping them identify who are the safe adults around them uh, at school or, or in various different contexts that, you know, if, if you need to reach out to an adult, you you know these people are safe and you can go to them and they can intervene and, and those sorts of things. And so that's a big deal. But let me tell you what I believe has taken bullying to the next level that is different from what any of us in this room might've experienced. And that is this, this telephone that I've got in my hand right now. Yeah. What used to be a moment in a hallway or a moment in a classroom or a moment on a playground has now become a 24 hour endless barrage. And I believe that that has been detrimental to the mental health of a lot of kids. That's why I believe we're seeing a rise in suicides among kids. In 2007, two things happened suicide levels among adolescents started to skyrocket. And the iPhone was released. Hmm. And if you look at the data, Mike Lemon, who is a member of our church, a deacon in our church, a phenomenal, wonderful man who was a police officer for 20 years and who now uh, leads a business uh, called Cyber Safe Teens, that I, I think he, he goes around and speaks to a lot of people. He's spoken at our church several times, um, but that's an important. Truth to realize, and so what do what do we do practically as parents with our kids? Well, a couple of things. Number one, we limit um, their time on their phones. They have to have phones to function in the world. I'm, I, we waited till our kids were a certain age and had a certain need for mm-hmm. a phone, and and ultimately it was they're being dropped off at practices. We yeah. got to be able to communicate. Yeah, we held off as long as we could, you know. And I'm not going to tell you the ages, because I feel like you got to do what's right for your family. Um, So we, first of all, we held off on when they got their device. But once they got their device, I have complete control over when they can access their device. I have control over where their device goes to bed at night. I have control over when their device is even functional. I mean, I love the parental controls that Apple gives you. I can essentially shut their device down from the other side of the world if I need to. And I've done that, you know, um, so the idea of sending my kid into their bedroom at night and having their phone available to them all night long is crazy to me. I would never do that. Um, so they have downtimes that start at certain times, and that renders their phone unfunctional. They can contact me and their mother, but that's it. Um, and so we monitor what apps they have. You know, even even though they have phones, that doesn't mean they have social media. And, you know, my son's gotten to an age where he's looking at recruiting with college stuff. And, and so there's, there's some necessity of a little bit of social media and we do what's necessary. Um, and we try to help him navigate those things, but we are still those parents that we don't let him have everything. And, and, we kind of smile when he's like, well, everybody else does. We don't care. (laughs) We're not responsible for everybody else. We're responsible. We're going to give an account for you, you know? Um, So there's the balance of teaching them how to live in that world because we don't want to go to college and everything's new and he doesn't know how to function. There's this balance of of giving a little bit and then coaching them through. So I would say from a practical standpoint, parents, you can limit people's access to them and you can limit their access to others. You know, my daughter has... had a couple of group chats where we've, we've gotten her out of those group chats and said, you're not allowed to, to be in that because it turned ugly. Um, so there's some sense in which we still try to provide guardrails. Okay. But at the same time, I mentioned this a moment ago, we also have to teach them how to be mentally tough because as I said to Griffin, the first time he dealt with a kid who was being nasty to him. And he was in elementary school at the time. I said, son, the world's full of jerks. And and you're going to encounter jerks your whole life. And you got to decide, are you going to listen to what God says about you, or are you going to listen to what the jerk says about you? Okay, Because recognize that the mean things they're saying to you come from a deficiency in them that they're trying to account for not a deficiency in you. You threaten them by your presence. You, 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 They are trying to fill some sort of hole within them. That's where bullying comes from. Um, so you can listen to what God says about you or you can listen to what this person says about you, but you need to know there's always going to be somebody saying something about you. So you live your life, You you do what God's called you to do, and recognize that, that there's going to be some mental toughness required along the way. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little bit of all sorts of strategies. I protect them when I protect them. You know. I protect them by limiting uh, what they're able to, to have in terms of contact uh, outside of school hours and things of that nature. But then I also want to cultivate mental toughness within them Uh, So that as they make independent moral decisions of trusting and following Jesus prayerfully, they're also able to decide what is true of me and whose voice will I listen to. Um, Casting Crowns, years ago, put out a song called The Voice of Truth, Mm -hmm. and it's one of my favorite songs. And and they go through some of these biblical events um, and what the wind and the waves are telling me and what the giant is telling me and you know but the voice of truth tells me a different story and as i say that i have goosebumps because that 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 sentiment has been so meaningful in my life i mean cuz i don't know if you know this or not but not everybody likes me uh, and and if you're a leader of an organization <clears throat> you could say we're going to give ice cream to everybody and somebody's going to be mad about it yep <laughs> and so yep. it just is what it is and so you have to have some toughness to deal with the fact that not everybody's going to like you you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea have, some people don't even want tea they want coffee um, just you got to realize that and you got to listen to God and you got to do what he wants for you and listen to his voice along the way so that is a snippet of an answer that you know that doesn't solve the problem of bullying but those are some techniques that, that we use in our family that are proving to be helpful as kids kind of navigate some things. Um, but again, I'll let you know in a decade how it worked out.
0: Sure. Well, and the big thing that I'm hearing myself is that you need to make them aware of the jerks in the world, the, the bullies in the world. And when you make them aware and you say, this is what they're going to say, this is you know, this, but this is not the truth. You know, then you're starting to get into the realm of, you know, I mean, Jesus telling his disciples, like, if I'm going through this, then you're going to go through this. Yeah. Like, that's the way it's a, not, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. Like, if you're actually being a disciple with me, you're going to get the same insults hurled at you. Yeah. Well, and let me push it one step
1: further. Now, this is where you may get uncomfortable, listeners, but just go with me. It's spiritual warfare. Yeah. Okay. You are doing spiritual warfare on behalf of your children and if you if you involve them in it, you're doing it with them. You say, "Well, oh my goodness, how do I do spiritual warfare with my children?" Uh, you pray with them. Hmm. You pray with them, and so that's what we do every time. There's an issue, so we have our baseline of prayer. We're praying in the morning and at night and at meals and all those sorts of things. But when they're facing something, I mean, we go to God together, and and I cannot tell you the number of times I said, "Okay, let's 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 talk to the Lord," and I've prayed with my child. You know, Lord. Somebody's saying this about them, but you say this. So, Lord, speak your truth into their lives right now. Speak your truth. Let let, Take the lies away and allow your truth to be pervasive within their minds, within their hearts in this moment. That's spiritual warfare right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Satan is a liar and the father of lies. When he speaks, he speaks in deception, and he's really good at it. That's his native tongue. And so any time that there is a lie that is propagated – that's coming from the enemy, and so now we're doing spiritual warfare by praying together, and uh, and so I just really want to encourage you all, you know, help your children uh, walk them through Ephesians chapter six, um, the, the the armor of God, and and again you're coaching them so that one day when you're not around, they're able to stand firm in the strength of God's might uh, as that spiritual warfare approaches them.
0: Amen. Thank you, Jeff. There's a lot of really practical tips uh, that you just said, a lot of practical tips throughout all of today's episode. Listeners, we are going to give several links in the description for some of the references and resources that we've made throughout the show. Uh, And we also want to encourage you, if you have a question like this listener's question, then please submit it. Go to the link in the show notes or comment on the post below. Jeff, can you pray us out for today? Let's pray.
1: Lord, help us to trust and follow you. And help us to help others do the same. Uh, It's not an easy world to live in, but you know that because you've lived in it. And you did so perfectly and perfectly victoriously. And so help us stand firm in the strength of your might and help us help others do the same. Lord, for those who have children who have been entrusted to their care for this moment, give us wisdom give us guidance, help us to embrace that call. But Lord, so many people who are listeners may not have biological children, but they have foster kids or they have students in a classroom or players on a field or on a court, uh, or they have employees that that they, they are mentors and you've given them that gift. And so Lord, help all of us be intentional about seeking to help the people that you've entrusted to our care and our influence to help them trust and follow Jesus. Lord, we can't do any of this without you. So we are utterly dependent upon you, utterly dependent upon your grace. And so we look to you, we listen to you. Uh, Lord, we read your word, and we, we seek to live our lives according to the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Help us do it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editors are Chadwick Walden and Fu Ying Engdahl.